Let's begin with a word of prayer. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from John's Gospel, the 14th chapter, beginning with the 15th verse. It is our custom at Kings to stand when we read scripture. If you're able, please stand and read with me. Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. So if we were in church, I would have an oscillating fan. I would call the children forward and I would give each one of them a streamer and I would let the wind blow on them and their streamer. Today I would say we're going to talk about something you can't see but know is there. Do you feel that? So you're convinced that there's wind even though you don't see it. We can't see the wind, but we sure see what it's doing, don't we? I see it blowing some of your streamers. Some of your hair is moving, and I also feel much cooler than I did before. Do you know what this reminds me of in the Bible? It's an amazing gift left for us when Jesus returned to heaven to be with his Father. Jesus promised us a helper, and that helper is the Holy Spirit. We don't see the Holy Spirit because he lives inside of those of us who make Jesus our Lord and Savior. But just like the wind from the fan today, even though we can't see the Holy Spirit, we know that he brings comfort and help to us. Let's pray together. God, even though we can't see you, we know you are real. We also know your Holy Spirit is real. Thank you for the comfort you bring us through the gift of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I was in college, I I pledged a fraternity, Alpha Phi Omega. It's a service fraternity. It did uh, good deeds, service for the college community. And one of the things that Alpha Phi Omega did was a last lecture series. Several times a year, they would write, invite a professor to come and share what wisdom they had accumulated in their life as if it was the last lecture they were ever going to give. Being college, there was wine and cheese served, and it was done in a very informal setting. And I'll never forget, probably one of the most imposing men on campus was Dean Schistler. He taught taught freshman musicology. He had those half glasses that rested on the end of his nose so he could read at his lectern and look over the glasses at you. And his last lecture said, take time to sniff the flowers. 
And he wanted to sh- went on to share with us how in his race to get to the next goal, the next level, the next degree, the next certification, the next job, that he had often forgotten to take time to appreciate the beauty around him. That reminds me of a, another last lecture, probably one more familiar to you. In September of 2007, Carnegie Mellon had a last lecture, and it was given by Randy Pausch. Randy had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer a month before he gave the last lecture. And when he went in to give it, he was given a standing ovation. And he had everybody sit down and he said, no, no, make me earn it. Well, his last lecture became an internet sensation. It was a best-selling book. It's been published in 48 different languages. And it was, um, it was a story of his life and his journey and the accomplishments and the failures that he had had along the way that he felt would inspire his students. For Dr. Pausch, it was his last lecture. He was the professor of human and computer interaction, and he spends a lot of time talking about his dream to become an Imagineer. But he really left three key points with his students. The first one was the ability, the tools for overcoming obstacles. The second was enabling the dreams of others. And the third was seizing every moment. Very similar to Dean Schistler's Take Time to Sniff the Flowers. What would you say if it was your last lecture? Well, Jesus actually had the opportunity to give his last lecture, and he knew that it was his last. It was the final things that he could say to the disciples. Part of it we covered last week in Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled, and part of it we're going to cover this week, and part of it next. But John 14 and following records for us Jesus' last lecture. And here's today's portion. The first thing he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. I have this talk with couples who are getting married all the time. Love is not just something you feel. Love is something you do. Vicki works nights, and sometimes we have a nice dinner together, and then she has to go to work. And we don't have time to clean the kitchen together. So what do I do? If I love my wife, I clean the kitchen. There are those chores around the house that nobody wants to do. And every now and then you just have to say, you know what? I love that other person. I'm going to do it. Love is not a feeling. It's something you decide and something you do. Then the second thing Jesus says is I'm going to pray to the Father and he will give you a helper, is what our our scripture said. Some passages call it an advocate, a counselor, a witness, The word in Greek is paraclete, and a paraclete actually was a a Jewish term translated into the Greek for someone who assisted you in the court of law. Para, meaning beside, and kaleto, meaning called. They're called to stand beside you in the court of law. Uh, the, The paraclete in scripture becomes for us an advocate, somebody who... Uh, speaks on our behalf 
to the Father, becomes a witness, a witness to God's working in our lives and a consoler when we are confronted with the overwhelming of life. Peter Marshall, you may have heard that name, was the chaplain of the U.S. Senate about a half a century ago and died an untimely death. His wife, Catherine Marshall, writes in her book, The Helper, in the early morning hours, Peter awakened with alarming pain in his chest and down both arms. The doctor came, the ambulance arrived, and Peter was rushed to the hospital. I had no way of handling this crisis but to drop to my knees in prayer. My knees had no sooner sooner touched the floor than I experienced God as a comforting mother. There was a feeling of the everlasting arms around me. It was the infinite gentleness of a loving God touching my heart. In the days following Peter's death, the Spirit carried me over and above the circumstances so that I could actually be used to bring strength to the nation's capital as they mourned his death. We are not alone, not even in our hours of sorrow, not even in the shock of grief, not even in the midst of loss, because we have a comforter, a consoler. Another way to look at this is when my kids were little, we had a list of babysitters, as as all parents do. And if we were getting ready to go out, they would say, who's babysitting? And we would share a name with them. And sometimes they would uh, nod, and sometimes they would get Very, very excited. In fact, I often say that if I had this person coming to babysit them now, they would still come home. They would leap up from what they were doing and they would rejoice if they heard that Beth was their babysitter. In fact, I believe children on the block on which we lived would rejoice when Beth was the babysitter. Beth read to them, romps with them, acts out plays and made chocolate chip cookies with them. She nurtures their young lives like a loving parent. And as long as she was with them, they were not afraid. She played dark tag with the kids in the neighborhood. And we used to tell her to stop spending her babysitting money on our kids. And we couldn't get her. I don't know that the Holy Spirit has ever been compared to a babysitter. But if you could imagine Jesus as a mother then it may not be hard to imagine the Spirit in this other role as one who cares for the church in the interim between Jesus' departure and return, as one who comforts, teaches, reminds, and yes, sometimes romps with the sons and daughters of God. In the words of Jesus, rejoice. Now, Jesus was one person, one human being, and he could not be with us everywhere. And yet the spirit that he sends, because it is a spirit, can be everywhere. Jesus meets us one at a time. The spirit ministers to us collectively. One more thought about this is that the spirit was, well, let me put it this way. It's like the story that someone tells about a young lady named Sally. Sally was growing up and becoming a woman preparing to go off to college, and her mother had struggled to provide for her education, an especially difficult task, 
since Sally's father had died several years earlier. Her mother made every effort within her power to raise Sally Wright, and now she would be on her own in exciting and frightening time. Sally had strong reservations about leaving her mother alone to mind the farm and the chores. She was also nervous about having to find her own way without her mother's guidance. As she prepared to meet the bus, bags packed and ready, her mother took her arm and said to her, You're going to see things and do things you ain't never heard of, and you won't know which way to turn sometimes. You remember how you used to tug on my apron string when you wanted something, and I'd see to what you was after? You remember how when you was too close to the road and I'd holler to tell you to get away from there? Well, I'm going to be there with you in your heart, but it'll be up to you to listen to what I told you. I can't kiss your hurts when you fall down and skin your knee or quiet you when a big storm comes rolling through, but I'll be close as a peanut in your pocket. When you need me, if you're afraid, I'll stand with you. And if you're hurting, you can feel me close. And if you do wrong, I'll whisper the truth to you so you won't do it anymore. Tears came to both their eyes. Her mother opened the dresser drawer and took out a neatly folded handkerchief and placed it in the pocket of Sally's dress. Upon leaving, Sally felt completely alone. As she fought back tears, she rushed into her dress pocket to take out the handkerchief her mother had placed there. And then she noticed a knot in one corner, just like her mother used to tie her milk money in her handkerchief. Upon untying the knot, she found a single peanut. She knew that her dear mother would always be with her in her heart. The good news is God wants to dwell in our lives. God wants to take up residence in our hearts. God wants to be with us always, as close as a peanut In our pocket. Jesus finishes this part of his last lecture by reminding us that he who has his commandments and keeps them will see God. Now, I want you to picture a youth room with sofas on either side, and and one sofa has a sign on it that says yes, and one sofa has a sign on it that says no. And I would say to the teenagers and youth group, uh, yes or no, did this quote come from the Bible? My first quote might be, God helps them who helps themselves. And the teenagers, sorry, would split themselves between the room, some yes, some no. And then I would tell them. Then I would say, here's quote number two. If this is from the Bible, go to the yes couch. If not, go to the no couch. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Maybe the third quote I might remind them of and ask if this came from Scripture would be, this too shall pass. Number four on my list would be, charity begins at home. And the last one would be a tricky one. I would say money is the root of all evil. Now, I don't know if you were running back and forth to a sofa in your mind, but I'm sorry to tell you that all five of these are not found in the Bible. The closest one to being found in the Bible is money is the root of all evil. Actually, what the Bible says is the love of money is the root 
of all evil. How did you do? See, what we're headed for here is you can't know Jesus until you know Jesus' words and actions. And knowing them is not enough. You have to decide and do them. Remember, James records that faith without works is dead. If I say I love you to Vicki and then don't do anything to demonstrate that love, she will wonder if my words are true. So if you have never made that commitment to Jesus, you've never said, I want to know you, I want your word written on my heart, and I'm going to show it in my life, make that decision today. If you're anxious or worried or fearful or uncertain, remember, you have an advocate who supports, reminds, and consoles you, just like Catherine Marshall. If you're feeling those things, close your eyes, be still and know that God is with you. Because it's not enough to be still, you have to know. And in the knowing, you'll receive that gifting of the Spirit's presence. Finally, if you have a relationship with Jesus and you are intimately aware of his Spirit's presence, then take this week and share the words of Jesus. Share the work of Jesus and share that heartfelt wish of Jesus that everyone be saved because the Holy Spirit is as close as a peanut in your pocket. Amen.